Welcome to Close the Door and Come Here, a Game of Thrones and a Song of Ice and Fire podcast with heavy leanings towards our two favorite characters, Jamie and Brienne. Hi, I'm Lot, Lady of Tarp, hyphen posts on Tumblr, joined with Eon. Hi, this is Eon, Eon Blue Negative on Tumblr. Clotho. Hi, this is Clo- I'm Clotho, and I'm Clotho Spindle on Tumblr. Guile. <laughs> Hi, this is Guile. I'm Guile in Subterfuge on Tumblr. And we're joined with the first time guest, Argistar. Hello, I'm Argistar. I'm known as Argistar on Tumblr, which I really need to revive. <laughs> I'm laughing because uh, we, we just went over this whole conversation with Clotho's name. Just <laughs> look <laughs> like our Clotho. I'm sorry. Oh, I kind of like it. <laughs> oh, that's good. I just like that we call we introduce you as Clotho and then you introduce yourself as Clotho, but none of us ever change it. <laughs> well, it's force, force of habit, I suppose. Yeah, keep your accents. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> Um, so we are going to continue our season six recap of A Game of Thrones. So spoiler warnings for everybody if you haven't watched the show yet. Um, also just a general spoiler warning for uh, potential book spoilers for the A Song of Ice and Fire series. And as always, trigger warnings for a potential rape discussion. Um, we're going to start with the first scene and we have a Davos ogling a newly raised from the dead Jon Snow. He catches him as he falls and offers him his cloak. Mel walks in. Davos asks, what do you remember? And John answers, they stabbed me. He's visibly freaked out that he's still, that he is alive. And then um, Mel presses the question and asks again what he saw. And he says he saw nothing. Um, Mel is convinced John is the prince that was promised. And I don't know, Davos's reaction, I don't really think he's so sure he wants to go down that path again. That's kind of what I was reading from the, the look yeah. on his face. Yeah. Like, oh, not this again. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I, I totally got from that. Heaven is totes not real, yo. <laughs> nope. Heaven is totes not real. So live it up. He could be in limbo. <laughs> uh, do they have, do they have like the equivalent of purgatory in the seven? Or the old gods, or is it just, you know, an all-or-nothing kind of deal? I know they have something like seven hells. Oh, that would be interesting to know. Yeah. <laughs> Let's kill him again and see if you find <laughs> Give us some more answers, John. Well, I'll keep you dead a little bit longer this time. He <laughs> doesn't seem to know, know anything. Fire. You see the crone. <laughs> It's the same thing um, Barak used to always say, too, right? Like, there's yeah. nothing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think so. But, I mean, mm. he was dead for, like, a couple seconds, so. Uh, who, Barak? Well, but, yeah. Multiple yeah. times those seconds add up, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> the white tunnel. You get at least the glimpse of a shining white light <laughs> at the end of the tunnel, you know? He could have made a comforting story up, but he didn't. <laughs> you guys think it's... Is John the prince that was promised? Do you are you buying into this that there is this thing? Yes, I'm absolutely sure he is because that's you know the fulfillment of all kinds of tropes that John already fulfills to begin with. So yeah, I'm I'm pretty well convinced at this point. You guys feel the same? Yeah, he's gonna be the main. He's gonna be the hero. I don't know. I mean, I, he might be the hero, but I don't know that the prince that was promised in Azora High, like, I don't know that all of those have to be true. It could just be, like, some dudes do some stuff and they don't have to label them. Yeah. So I, I don't really know either. and just kind of throwing it out there. But, I mean... Well, I guess if uh, Mel starts spreading the word, she could uh, probably build a pretty good following. <laughs> <laughs> Because it worked out so well for the last guy. <laughs> oh, no, don't remind I really, me. I really liked this scene, though, and I feel like we should be positive at the start of the episode, knowing where we're probably going to end up going. <laughs> for, like, 
it was like actually delving into the interesting part of this, which is, you know, the fact that he did die and he did come back. And like, what, you know, what does that feel like? What does that mean to a human being to have that experience happen to them? Yeah, I, he I, definitely played bewildered quite well. Yeah, I was satisfied yeah, with I, how they I, handled it. I have as one of my notes, John, stop looking like a kicked wet kitten. But he should, what, though. He just came back. I mean, should, I think though. that was accurate. I'm sure he could still feel, like, those, those stab wounds and everything. That's oh. pretty freaky. He was yeah, they, could, they didn't, like, heal the wounds completely. So, yeah, it's got to be, you know, walking it's around with, like, like, a lacerated heart and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Uh, did you guys watch the after the episode? They said they originally had more dialogue, but that in, I guess, conversation and in doing the scene they realized that his you know a reaction you wouldn't be talking a lot when that first happened that it, and it did to me it seems like a legitimate uh reaction to coming back yeah it'd be like a slow awakening right because your blood is just starting to flow again like they even played it like he had like rigor mortis like how the way he fell and stuff so yeah well and people that he doesn't I mean he doesn't really know davos and melisandre that well i mean <laughs> which makes like the question why do they care <laughs> well i mean they care you know because the plot dictates that they care that's why that's one thing i've been hung up on i don't know why davos is so like invested in john being resurrected by mel and why davos is the one that's like kind of pushing her to do it sorry i know guy was trying to keep yeah. it positive <laughs> oh no no i don't I, I totally, I get that. And I was actually watching the season five scene when they, when Stannis gets the note from Liana Mormont. And I was kind of like, kind of surprised. Like, oh, I sort of forgot how invested Davos was in those early scenes as well with John. Hmm. And there's another scene where Stannis leaves and, and Davos kind of tells John after the fact, like, you know, he like, you know, basically, you know, he likes you, right? Um, yeah, so and, they and, tried to lay a little bit of groundwork, I think, for it in season five. And, and doesn't he also sort of push the point that John needs to be more involved in what's going on in the outside world as well as just within the Night's Watch, too? Isn't that one of the points he's trying to make? Yeah. Yeah. He, ha- he has Potato Boy repeat the Night's Watch oath. And, you know, the part about guarding the realms of men mm-hmm. being part of what what John's deal is supposed to be. So I, I guess you can kind of see why he's so into making sure that John is up and running, given that John is one of the few people who actually knows what they're up against. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can also see him appealing, you know, his sort of, you know, he would be able to pick up on his sort of honor and honesty and, you know, there's sort of a genuineness to John. Yeah. That he probably well, was able to see that fairly early on. He, and Respect. Davos needs someone to follow. Mm-hmm. Like that is his. I mean, Davos needs someone to follow, and you know, John is the new lucky person. He's I the think. rebound. He's the rebound relationship. <laughs> oh my god, oh, he's the rebound he relationship. I ship it. I ship it. <laughs> well, can you imagine? He's totally lost. You know, he's. Can you imagine being so devastated and losing status, and then here comes, you know, you kind of look for something else. <laughs> look at his shiny, bouncy curls. I know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <Yeah>, going on. lips. <laughs> <laughs> Every freaking into like ten minutes of all of our episodes, we have a new ship. You realize that, right? <laughs> sorry, not sorry. Apologies for such things. <laughs> so when John emerges from the room, Tormund tells him they think he's a god. Then makes fun of the size of his dick. <laughs> John hugs Tormund <laughs> and Dolores Ed, and then they bro out a bit. And yeah, so that kind of wraps up the the Castle Black stuff. I love that Ed told him, you know, your eyes aren't blue, because it was the kind of acknowledgement that that I mean that is what John would fear the most more than any. You know, that's what he would fear the most is that he, my God, I'm back from the dead, and what am I? Like, oh, he you're actually has a lot of reasons to question, to ask that question of what am I? Am I a human even? Yeah. And I that think like Ed asks that. And it definitely establishes Ed as being genre savvy because, you know, lots of people have come back wrong in other things. Yeah, that totally flew over my head. (laughs) It's like, that's weird that he's commenting on his eyes. Okay. (laughs) Oh, yeah. No, it's like, dude, yep, you're not a a zombie as far as we know. (laughs) I'm stupid. And, and I, I love I love John's bromance with Tormund. I'm so convinced that Tormund is doomed this season because of it. Yeah, he's getting a lot of screen time, isn't he? Yeah. I don't think so because I think like he's such he's so recognizable that when you, you know if you're thinking about filming 
things in a bunch of snow for the next, you know, season and a half to have some dude with like a giant red beard and stuff is actually like visually almost necessary. Oh yeah, that's so, a good point. Your right, eye let, I like your him. version better. Let's go with your version. Yeah, your eye goes directly to him. <laughs> All right, let's go to um Gilly, Sam and the baby who are on a boat and Gilly is totally digging the boat ride. Sam not so much. He spews then tells Gilly she won't be going to the Citadel in Old Town. He plans to take her and the baby to Horn Hill. Uh, Gilly argues a bit at first and then relinquishes and agrees if he thinks it's for the best, she'll do it. Um, she also calls Sam the father of her son. And something horrible is going to happen to these people, oh, aren't they? No. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but it was nice to see that those reading lessons with Shireen really paid off because she's able to tell the difference between C and C now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, it's kind of just like a little touchstone moment like this is where they're at this is where they're going it's not really like a whole lot to delve into unless anyone had any thoughts other than maybe sam should have possibly just maybe have told gilly what his plan was before they got on the boat instead of you know after getting on the boat he's wanted to get her out no he 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 was gonna say whatever he needed to to get her out of there in the easiest way so I still think that was kind of a, a, a low move, given what she would assume would happen and what is actually going to happen. Well, I'm it's just glad. Of, yeah, sorry. Well, I was going to say, it's a bit of into Sam's character, though. He's a little bit cowardly. I could see him, like, just, I'll tell her tomorrow morning. No, the afternoon. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and she got to keep her baby. So that's a nice change from the, you know, that was a From pretty, the book. Yeah, yeah. So I'm happy yeah. about that. I miss, um... <laughs> I miss the crew of the Cinnamon Wind, though, because I loved uh, I loved that they had been to Karth and saw Danny and the dragons when they were little. And I, you know, and I like that they basically had to threaten Sam to keep sleeping with her. And then as soon as they dock in Old Town, how they, you know, they basically go off to Marine right away. Like, I really wish that we would get a wins, um, a wins POV from someone on the ship, because I just think, like, that's a great little story of basically how they've been all around this the world that we know in the story and seeing all of these little vignettes of things. I, I love that in the books and I, mm-hmm. um, I, you know, I don't expect that in the show, but I just, you know, be nice. Yeah. yeah I think like I just want to, like if they had gone on like salad or sans boat accidentally, like that oh, also would have been yeah. fun. Oh, that, been. oh, that would have been awesome. <laughs> Damn. That would have been really cool. Damn. I love, I love me some salad or sans. <laughs> Um, I just want to go back, touch on what you mentioned, like the fact that they let her keep her baby. Um, I just want to say like in the books, that was one of the worst things. That one really stuck with me that they switched her baby out. And if I recall correctly, wasn't Sam kind of like, what's she so upset about? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's so clueless. Yeah. Wasn't it, was it Darian who was like, um, Sammy a dumbass or is it Eamon who pointed it out to him? Yeah. Wasn't it Darian? Because Darian was on the ship with him. Yeah, I feel like it was Darian, but I have a hard time believing that he would have been, like, that observant. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, yeah, very happy that cute baby is hers and she got to keep her. Nice. Although, have you seen that? Yeah, have you guys seen the D&D Googling Twitter account? Oh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) One of the questions they're, you know, allegedly Googling is, do babies age? <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, it's nice to see that that baby hasn't aged so much as a day since it, <laughs> since the last time we saw it. That is the longest lived baby ever. She's not going to be potty training that tyke until it's like nine. <laughs> just take a page out of Rickon's book and have like a five or six year old on the ship with God. <laughs> the soap opera rapper aging. Right. Yeah. Uh, uh, Let's go on to yeah. Brand's vision. Um, oh, so this is the Tower of Joy, the much anticipated <gasps> scene uh, of the season. We have Ned and Howland Reed and Posse approaching Sir Arthur Dane and another King's Guard. They talk of the Trident, Robert, and a dead Rhaegar. Ned looks to the tower and asks for his sister. Sir Arthur puts on his helm, and it's boy fight! <laughs> He's outnumbered, uh... Uh, you know, uh, eventually Arthur is outnumbered four to one, and uh, he kind of dual wields them to 
death. <laughs> Soon it's just Ned. Um, Bran gets a bit of a lesson in revisionist history. Mm-hmm. He can clearly <laughs> see Ned is outsorted, but he was already, he was always told that Ned was the victor. Howlin' Reed jumps in from behind, stabbing Sir Arthur through the throat. And then we hear a scream sound out from the tower. And Brendan Rivers is like, okay, time to go. And Wells is like, tease, screaming, like, what? No, yeah, the cock teases. <laughs> Fuck you, Blood Raven. <laughs> I love that Bran, like, ran off. He's like, nope, <laughs> tried. So it wasn't just me then. Everybody else was like, no, oh, no. no. I know. I was like, yeah. oh, Bran. Yeah. Oh, Bran. Yeah. I just, I love seeing this. I mean, I've really liked the brand scene so far this season. It's just been nice to see these, these flashbacks to things that you've really just wanted to see. And the Tower of Joy thing was just, it was awesome. And I really loved seeing Sir Arthur Dane wielding two, two swords and everything. And he's fucking hot. He was so hot. Yeah, he, so he, hot. he was very hot. God, he was hot. And a dual wielder. I'm an absolute sucker for dual wielders. (laughs) I love that way back this summer when they were doing casting announcements, they showed a picture of Luke Roberts and Eddie Ayer, and then um, I think it's Robert Aramayo. I'm not sure how you pronounce his name. But as soon as I saw him, I posted... It was somewhere that I posted and said, oh, he's absolutely Ned Stark. Look at him. He looks just like Sean Bean. And literally every comment after me was talking about how wrong I was and how he was clearly, you know, Howlin' Reed, blah, 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 blah. He was Ned Stark. I was right. I just want to point that out. So there's your neener neener moment from Guile and Subterfuge. To something that no one but me remembers. Once somebody pointed the Doogie Howser oh. thing out, I can't unsee it now. <laughs> yeah, I can't unsee it now. <laughs> Mother <laughs> Doogie Howser. I, oh, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but when, you know, I was kind of surprised that it was the third scene of the episode, so I wasn't like prepared for it to happen yet and then like when i realized like like, oh my god this is a tower of joy like i kind of just had like this like jolt of excitement like oh my god this is really happening like i'm really seeing this and it was so cool and then of course got cut short but still like it's the first time i've kind of experienced that which i think um you know it's just going yeah it's like the things that we've never even seen in the you know we've only seen in the flashback in the books and like oh it was just so cool. Yeah, it's a fresh yes. feeling. Now you've done like a 180. <laughs> <clears throat> well, and can I also say that I think that the fight choreography did improve for this particular sequence because that was a danged awesome sword fight. Oh, yeah, I liked it. It really that. was. Yeah. It was I, so I, good. I, I mean, I really enjoyed was. that fight. Yes. I mean, compared to what last season was with the Sand Snakes and Jamie, oh my god, this was amazing. <laughs> they lowered our yeah. expectations and then they raised yeah. them really high. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it was on purpose, so we'd appreciate this more, clearly. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that was their master plan, huh? I like the armor, good. too. It was, it was good stuff. Yeah. 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 And did, and did you notice that it, had, that it had the Targaryen dragon on the breastplate? Yeah, oh, I yeah. heard that people were saying that rather than because, the King's you know, Guard, but I thought it was kind of cool looking. Yeah. So uh, just to finish up the scene, we have Bran at one moment calling Father, and Ned stops to look. So this had me, like, speculating, you know, can he possibly influence, or is this a case of the ink is dry? What do you guys think? I think the the Blood Raven mm-hmm. protested too much. I think he can. I do too. I think he can. Yeah. He was just trying to backtrack and get him away from doing that. <laughs> or as far as he knows, he can't. And like the fact that Ned turned is shocking to him, even. Oh, could be. Yeah, could be that too. Yeah, I think. There's and you know, to we, it. yeah. I mean, and we have it. Those instances of Theon in the books that, um, you know, we know that. They can at least feel a presence or feel something. And actually, isn't the one major flashback that Bran has in his last chapter? Um, I think that Ned, like Ned, has a reaction in his flashback to him. Oh, I don't remember that. I can't remember. It's in the um, the Godswood at Winterfell. That would be pretty cool. You have to read that again. Uh-huh. 
So it makes me wonder, like, what would, I wonder if you were Bran, what would you try to influence? Like, if you had to go back, not getting pushed out of the tower, because you'd lose your powers, right? Yeah. And Bran's so, getting pretty, um, uh, don't trust you know. Littlefinger. <laughs> yeah, that one. <laughs> you know, you can tell he's rebelling a lot, like, when in his conversation with Bloodraven. So he's not just meekly, you know, submitting to this. He's kind of getting in there and... Well, he's, yeah, he's feeling his oats, right? Like, yeah, and in some now he might not realize it, but he might actually be more powerful than Bloodraven in in a pretty significant way. Yeah. I think he is. I think there's all signs pointing to that. Even the fact that Brendan was like, you know, I've been waiting for you. There's something big going on here for for a thousand years, although really oh. 126. <laughs> <laughs> plus, I that might be exaggerating, and plus he's obviously. And plus, he's obviously older now at this point. So one would think Mm -hmm. that in the time between the seasons, he's had some practice at this before and is starting to know what his limits are and is trying to push those limits, too. Yeah, and he's a teen, Just like any teenager would. Yeah, (laughs) blaming on the teen years. (laughs) I mean, if if you tell a teenager, don't do something, that's the surest way to get them to do it. (laughs) Hmm. All right. Let's go on to Daenerys' scene. Um, she's reaching Vase Dothrak, where she's taken to the dwelling of the other Cal widows, the Dosh Colleen. They strip her and give her new clothes to match their own. She's chastised a bit by the head widow. Uh, she was supposed to join them immediately after Cal Drogo's death. She's told the Calazars will decide what happens to her. So it's the Dothraki Golden Girls. So she's who's the youngest. Who's the youngest one? Uh, Blanche. So she's the Blanche. <laughs> she the one that was like the head widow is clearly B. Arthur, right? Yeah, I was gonna say that. Oh yes. <laughs> Dorothy, she's the boss. right? Was her name Dorothy? Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Dorothy the Dothraki. Uh, no, I I liked well, her. I, I, I want to know which one the Betty White's going to be. I mean, how, how cracked out is, is that Dothraki widow going to be? There should probably be quite a lot of young widows, though, if you think about how many um, cows probably get killed young. Yeah. That there yeah. would be, you know, some fairly, like, young ladies there, which, you know, a house full of young ladies with then your B. Arthur, then it's almost more like a facts of life type of situation. <laughs> <laughs> but old sitcom is appropriate. Danny is clearly the Blair, and, it's, it's, and know, she's in needing of some facts of life. Yeah, it's a good wake-up call for her. The, what she's saying is legitimate. You know, everybody, you know, you sort of get the sense that Danny, there's a lot of things she believes about herself, and, you know, she's not taking into account, you know, what they experience in their cultural culture to a certain extent. She's kind of, you know, she's kind of pulled herself up and kind of created this, you know, mental image of herself, and I don't think it's the reality, and she needs a reality check. Well, I don't know. I guess I'm going to argue fairly strenuously that the idea that the widows of these calls can have no life other than to go to the Dash Kaleen is kind of ridiculous, and like what she's kind of saying, is, or what her thought is, is that I am, I have a life that is something other than being the widow of Cal Drogo. Like, I exist outside of that. I'm not arguing that. I'm just saying that Danny, yeah, yeah, I get your point. That makes sense. I can get it from that point. But I think she's talking about Danny thinking that she was going to be the, the, you know, what the stallion or her son was going to be the stallion that rides the world yeah. and all that. She's like, well, we all I think, think we're special, honey. And Danny's right. like, well, I am special. I have dragons. <laughs> right, exactly. Like, dragons. like, my stallion that I'm, you know, the stallion oh, that oh. I'm moaning to ride the world are like three dragons, bitch. <laughs> like, yeah, that's true, too. She <laughs> does have dragons. Answer. Yeah, that's true. She has dragons, so she has a little bit to, you know, A little bit of credibility yeah. to her entitlement. Yeah, I have dragons. Like, that'd be such a good, like, <laughs> do you have that report done? No, but I've got dragons. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Screw the rules. I have dragons. And admittedly, I've got dragons. Who would not use that? You know, in, in all you know, all honesty, if you had dragons, you'd kind of pull the dragon card. You know, <laughs> that Sorry. every day. You gotta go home to feed the dragons. I feel, I, yeah, <laughs> I don't feel like going to work today. I have dragons. <laughs> All that really excuse. perfectly summarizes Danny quite well. That just all of that. <laughs> oh, anyway, 
back in her hometown of Marine, uh, Varys is being Varys. He has a woman brought to him named Vala. Um, she's the same one that lured the Unsullied into the a trap last season. Um, he also pins her as someone who's assisting the Sons of the Harpy. Uh, Varys brings up her son Dom and woes at the thought of the boy growing up without his mother. He offers her passage on a ship and a big bag of silver. And then immediately after that, we have a scene with Tyrion, Grey Worm, and Missandei. Um, they're awkwardly uh, sharing a scene together. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. It was really weird. <laughs> yeah. Missandei obviously doesn't like beer pong or anything, right? <laughs> how lazy is that scene? Like, oh, we'll, have, we'll literally write a scene about how they can't come up with something to have a conversation about. Like, really? Yeah, That's what, what you're going to waste your time oh, on? Such like. A waste. You could do something as simple as, like, I was actually thinking about, what would you write? Like, don't just criticize. Come up with your own idea. Okay. So it was kind of, you know, what would you talk? What would they talk about? And I had, you know, maybe Grey Worm would talk about something that he did. And it turned out he did something on Missendi's suggestion. And they had a moment that at least then they would reveal so that Tyrion knows that they're, like, in love. Yeah. Which would be, like, something interesting about them and then also information for him. Yeah, Don. I would have liked that. That was good. Yeah, yeah. That, that Although I have, I have to admit, I really did like Great Worm's Bubba Gump moments when he was talking about Patrol. <laughs> I thought it was funny. <laughs> like how depressing that he's been released from. You know, he's been freed from slavery for three years, and you know, we've seen him trying to. You know, again, it's like back to the John thing where we see John is fearing like do I actually have any humanity left? And now we have Grey Worm whose humanity was taken from him and now presumably has, you know, was got it back, but he has nothing like there's nothing in his, in his heart and in his heart anymore. Like that's so, that's so depressing that he's just like a blank slate and it's kind of insulting to the character. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I really, I I really dislike the scene, I guess. I'm picking up on that. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. No, noticed the attack. So I, the, can I just say something about Varys real quick? Mm-hmm. I, I love how Varys is both the good cop and the bad cop all at the same time. He's good at what he does, isn't he? Yeah. Uh, he's, yeah. he's just, you know, oh, I've got this nice bag of gold. You've got this son you want to protect. It, it should be a shame if something happened to that son you wanted to protect. And it's an old trick for him too, because I, I I don't know about you guys, but I definitely yeah. thought about the Shay scene when he was off. Yeah. yeah. Stupid Shay should have. And and <laughs> just just the way he was just kind of initially lounging there, fanning himself like he was bored almost. Like this is something he's done a billion times before, <laughs> and it's something he's going to do a billion times again. He knows how it's going to end. Let's just get this over with. Yeah, and I think the actress who played Vala did a good. I think she did a good job with her part too. I think she, you know, injected a little bit of a, you know, you could kind of feel empathy for her, you know, her yep. decision to do what she did, and I thought that was kind of. I thought it was a good scene. I liked it. Yeah, I thought so. Much better than the one that followed. Oh though. yeah, right. that's why I was like, why oh, did they yeah. even add the other one? That was great on its own. I was like, why did they need the little? <laughs> I actually like the fact that they let her make some valid points. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I so, I... so often in the conqueror versus conquered narrative, all we get is the conqueror's perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Okay, so anyway, when Varys enters, he informs them of who is aiding the Sons of the Harpy. We learn it's the maest- uh, the masters of Astapor, masters of Yunkai, and their friends in Volantis. Grey Worm immediately wants to go attack them. Missandei is on his side. Tyrion cautions them and asks Varys to use his birds. I did like that Missandei was, like, stone cold. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, like, yeah. where was her personality in that scene immediately preceding it like all of a sudden she's nothing and then all of a sudden she's like stone cold like maybe you could have had her be lighter at the start to have like more of a contrast part of me feels though maybe she's um she doesn't know if she can trust Tyrion, so maybe she's playing her cards close to her chest no that's a good point that's a very good point actually i mean neither one of these guys know him from adam so you know why should they trust him with their deepest darkest secrets yeah 
One thing about this whole um, marine stuff, though, it seems like too quiet for, I mean, you think about it, Daenerys just flew off on her dragon. The cities, in their eyes, they don't have that ruler there. How yeah. come things aren't going to shit more? It's, a little, yeah, it's a little it strange. Should be like, it should be like the purge there or something. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think someone would take that opportunity to make a big move. Yeah. In time, maybe we'll see. Okay, so guys, we gotta go on to the most what the fuck scene I've ever seen on the show. <laughs> That's saying a lot. Okay, so Kyburn's entertaining a group of children in his lab, um, former birds of Varys. Um, Kyburn seems to be dishing out his own form of child protective services and candy. I'm not making this shit up. <laughs> appreciate the child protective services aspect of it. Yeah, well, like, I, I thought Kybert was kind of adorable with the, the, the kids, though. Well, when he offered that candy, I thought that it oh, wasn't... God, like, they're all gonna drop dead. Like, I yes. he was gonna give... The, he was giving them pieces of, like, Sir Gregor. Oh, oh God! Oh, no. Oh, no. Candy plums. <laughs> candy, candied earlobes. Oh, yeah. He laced it with something. Who knows? <laughs> I did, like, I, when I saw the still for, like, this scene, I was like, oh, no, oh, no. What the hell's going to happen? Get those kids out of there. What the fuck? But no, he was quite nice to them. <laughs> uh, very unsettling um, until it wasn't. Uh, they are interrupted by Sir Gregor. Larry and Carol. <laughs> I may slip and stop calling them Larry and Carol at some point, but I'm going to do my best. <laughs> the children take off, and uh, Larry inspects Kyburn's monster. Larry is super slow in this scene. He wants Sir Gregor to go crush the skull of the High Sparrow. Good thing Sensible Carol is there to talk reason into him. He'd have oh, to that's Sensible Carol. <laughs> but we sensible won't have restrained Carol. Oh, always the voice of logic and reason. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, for real, though, like, they are making me hate Jamie. Like, oh, show yeah. Jamie, I can't fucking stand him anymore. They've turned him into Xerxes' I know, Tony. there were two songs. He's just a, he's a prop. He's wallpaper. <laughs> there were two moments where imagine- I actually... Sorry, go <laughs> I was going to say, can you imagine book Jamie tolerating... The fucking Gregor Clegane zombie as part of the Kingsguard. No. Like, this is the man who idolized Sir Arthur Dane so yeah. completely. And you think he's just like, oh, haha, ha, LOL. I guess we've got, like, a mindless murderous zombie in the Kingsguard. Like, <laughs> he would never tolerate that. There are not enough words in the English language for how badly he would flip his shit over that. He didn't even like Marin Trant or... Like, oh, yeah. Or He's not putting up with this. Oh. And I noticed... Imagine him writing... Like, why don't they just have him write Gregor Clegane's white book page and just totally get it over with? (laughs) (laughs) I I noticed, though, that they're not even bothering calling him Robert Strong anymore. They're just calling him Gregor. Yeah. Everyone knows it's Sir Gregor. Like, there's no secrets. I wonder if he uses the toilet, though. Like, that was my favorite thing in the book is, like, the king, other king's guard, like, claiming they've never seen him go to the bathroom. (laughs) (laughs) Of all the things to worry about. He's just a champ at holding it, that's all. (laughs) He's just really constipated, that's why he's so angry. (laughs) He needs more of those candied plums. <laughs> so anyway, Larry says he's really looking forward to see uh, that trial by combat. Which could they, they might as well have had him turn to the camera and wink. At that <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> like, that's how like much of a troll that that line was. <laughs> or just he, or literally they could have had him just say, "Get hype." <laughs> I would love that. <laughs> And blow an air horn. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> one of those giant foam fingers. Yes! Yes! <sighs> so, anyway, Sarah. Maybe, oh, maybe take off his shirt and paint his, himself funny colors. <laughs> With a big ass for Sander. Although, actually, I guess Larry would probably go for Gregor. Yeah, big G. <laughs> <laughs> 
Anyway, so... I'd be okay with that as long as he just takes his shirt off. <laughs> I don't even care. I don't either. I don't like him. He's becoming more and more he's, unattractive. He's super me. unattractive in this whole episode. He's greasy and dark and... <laughs> oh, <laughs> exposure to Cersei. As soon as we get him out of her grips, I am hoping and praying to every god in the cosmos that we get something close to, you know, the Jamie we had in the books and in previous seasons. They know how to write him. They've done it before. It's just that they've quit. <laughs> That's why it's so frustrating. Like, I hope... <laughs> I hope and I hope, but like I don't know. I don't know if I can climb back out of this hole I'm in with this character. I, I, don't, I don't have any faith that they can change a plot line anymore ever. I mean they had the whole Duran, like, hey, here's a guy a seemingly helpless guy, and secretly he's a seemingly helpless, cautious guy. Like that's literally the plot they wrote. <laughs> so I don't what you get. Yeah. And yeah, he might like ch- do a 180 once he gets to the Riverlands, but it doesn't mean that, you know, I've forgotten who he is. <laughs> Can he we might. pretend they're triplets and not twins? And like when he, once he's in that Lannister like garb, that's like j- the real Jamie. I keep but saying he it's have, the like, hair. Personality disorder, so it's Larry and Jamie, and Larry is like oh, the no. evil twin. Look, evil, evil. He just lost his but, hair. But he'd need, like, get, he'd, need, he'd need to get the beard of Spike. Yeah, though, he's like, going to well, be the evil twin. His story, he, you know, he got more, you know, his hair got longer, and that was his peak, and then as he started to cut his hair shorter and shorter, things started to go <laughs> worse yeah. and worse. And he shaved yeah, off the beard. It's amazing, like, he's not attractive at all. <laughs> yeah, no. it's, it's it's weird that I thought he was sexier as Hobo Jamie. All yeah, Hobo Jamie was so sexy. <laughs> Are we How, kidding? Greasy and, and scuzzy and looking like he hadn't had a bath and surely hadn't had a bath in two, three years. Then right now, all nice and clean cut. Being clean, what nice still and hockey. Have that. <laughs> <laughs> it's soap that's doing it. <laughs> Damn you, Soap. Damn you. <laughs> okay, so Cersei wants Kyburn to send all his sparrows out to Dorne, Highgarden, the North. She wants to know who all her enemies are. And immediately following this scene, we have a small council meeting composed of Kevin, Pycelle, Mace, and Olena. Um, Pycelle is tirading against an arrogant and dangerous Kyburn. He's so passionate about the matter that he fails to hear Jamie, Cersei, and Sir Gregor enter the room. And then we get a toot. <laughs> it really was the perfect fart, wasn't it? <laughs> all that all that needed, though, was like some sitcom wah, wah, sound effect. I think that was the fart. <laughs> or a laugh track. <laughs> Uh, anyway, Cersei asks Olena why she's there, and uh, she informs Cersei that she was invited, mentions the Queen's imprisonment, and right away Cersei thinks Olena is referring to her, and Olena's like, you're not the Queen! Yeah. <laughs> that was kind of a cool moment. <laughs> yep. Any any moment with Olena is pretty much guaranteed to be golden. Yeah, she's she's fun to watch. Fun to listen to, too. Um, Kevin is like, you guys have no place here. Um, and Jamie's like, nah, I'm commander of the King's Guard. <laughs> Pycelle blathers on and Jamie and Cersei take a seat. Jamie tries to bring the group together, citing Dorne as their common enemy. Cersei tells the group they aren't leaving. And Kevin is, well, we aren't staying. Meeting adjourned. Uh, I was so what, what, embarrassed for Jamie. Like I was embarrassed for the character. Yeah. Like it was just it was a re- I mean he's absolutely ridiculous and this scene I question what are we as an audience supposed to think in this scene? You know, we've never we've always been sort of told we should be rooting for Olena and we've also always been told that you know Pycelle's useless and that you know Kevin is really Kevin's been portrayed as really quite stern and, and mean. So is this pitting Olena and Kevin versus Jamie and Cersei? Like, is that really what I, this first half of the season is about? Like, how does that make any sense in the world? 
Um, unless I, they've got just a shared goal of keeping Cersei's hands out of as much shit as humanly possible. I have no idea. What is, really what is Jamie's motivation? He, he, he's, he's wallpaper. He just like, wants to please his sister and lover. That, that's all he cares right, he's about. A, so he's doing he's it so he love. can get in her pants, even though they clearly hate each other. Uh-huh. And they're not having sex, apparently. It's yeah. complicated, Kyle. I guess. <laughs> I, I guess there is no defense. Like, this is just a one big clusterfuck. And I mean, is is he wanting revenge for Marcella dying from Dorne? Is that what it yeah, is? And what then, it is. like, in a couple episodes, whenever they finally reveal that Xerxes slept with Lancel, it's going to be, oh, she... she cheated on me with Lancel Where is Lancel? going to forget all about Marcella. Yeah, I mean, I'm wondering, yeah. like, where, are they just waiting to reveal Lancel? Have you guys noticed Lancel's been, like, conspicuously yeah. missing from any of the Sparrow yeah. scenes? Where the hell's Bronn? Yeah, hey, that's Ron's a good like, point, too. <laughs> he could knock some sense into Jamie, maybe. I don't know. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, actually, I think it's because Jerome Flynn... Actually, I'm sure it's because Jerome Flynn can't be in a scene with Lena Headey. Oh, and so since Jamie's attached at the hip, he can't oh, have a scene with Bronn. I don't know. It's just oh, getting man, so bad that when, when, uh, well, they call him Gregor now. When Gregor was standing behind them, I just had this instant thought what if he takes Jamie and Cersei's heads and just bashes them together and you just see the Skittles <laughs> go flying? <laughs> it's terrible you know, that I'm thinking point, these I things. I'm okay with that. I feel so, I feel so horrible that I'm and, thinking. <laughs> yeah, for, for my notes for this particular scene, all I have is in all caps No, seriously, Jamie, stop being Cersei's prop. Stop it. Stop it now. <laughs> oh, man. Ugh. I think they I think the scene so... is funny. Ugh. Oh, yeah. It didn't work like the scene with the musical chairs. That was a great scene. You know, this didn't work the same way. Because, <laughs> like, the kid, yeah. like, that's the vibe they were going for. They failed utterly. Well, you know, think to yourself, like, what was the purpose of that scene with the chairs? And it's extremely clear. It's both Cersei and Tyrion asserting... You know, asserting their rights and and power. Yeah. yeah. The game, like you get it. Yeah. This scene. What the hell was the scene? Like, what was the point and what was it about? <laughs> no one yeah. can tell. And it didn't move anything along. Um, really, it didn't right. change anything. No, it's status quo. There's yeah. been no like, movement. Right. right. And like, beyond all of the Jamie being completely out of character, it's one thing to be out of character and to like actually like I mean Brienne is out of character. But she has a distinct plot and it moves forward and you get why she's doing what she's doing. Yeah. yeah. This mm-hmm. shit, who the fuck knows? Yeah. Yeah, because we li- we honestly don't know if or when Jamie's ever going to find out what really went down with the charges against Cersei. You'd think that would be one of the first things he'd ask after the whole, oh, hey, accidentally got our daughter killed thing. I mean, it might yeah. be, it might be quite possible that they'll just do what they did with Davos and never bring it up again. It's possible. I don't know. Well, and even beyond that, like, you know, Jamie, book Jamie would not be in a room with Gregor Clegane as a member of the King's Guard. Like, that just yeah. literally would not happen. Yeah, I agree. And anyway, he would yep. not be pleased. Not be pleased being Wait. me putting it mildly. I don't know how the fuck they're going to write Jamie out of King's Landing. I don't know what yeah. what they're going to contrive and to make us believe it and agree with it. And <laughs> I don't get it. I just I'm baffled. I'm so over I, this guy at this point. <laughs> I, I think the key word is contrived here. I don't think they have to contrive anything. Hey, J- hey, Jamie, this is Cersei. Can you go to the Riverlands for me? Okay. Yeah. Oh, God. oh if it plays out like so, that, man. So basically, <laughs> Jamie is play out. Is, oh, is so basically Jamie is not just wallpaper. He is now her her poodle officially. Yeah. And then magically, by by the mere presence of Brienne, he will be transformed. So like, actually, <laughs> Jamie has no has no agency whatsoever in his own storyline, which is like the dominant arc of the, of, you know, the last part of these books. Yep. Yeah. It's a shame. (sighs) I mean, there are, you know, I I know it's going to come off as like the ultimate show bashing. And there are a lot of things that I liked this episode. There's a lot of things I've liked this season. It's just 
the one thing that I care about the most is the thing that they have utterly and completely shit all over. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of hard mm-hmm. to get over it. Yeah. You know what's oh, t- so mind-boggling is Jamie is one of the most, if not the most popular character of this series. How are they allowed to fuck it up this bad? And as I said earlier, we know that they know how to write him. They've done it before. Why well, have no, they suddenly... Just- we don't know that. We know that they know how to adapt things that George has written about him. Oh, They've never written funny, yeah. any Jamie that is Jamie. So maybe this okay. is them without any rudder. Okay, there, there's the li- there's the line of demarcation then. Once once they had once they ha- had to fly on their own. Well, they didn't have to. They just they chose to ignore the beast. Uh, okay, I'm I'm depressed. Let's go. I know. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm, yeah. <laughs> All right. Next scene, yeah, we have Tomin. Um, He's paying the High Sparrow a visit. Uh, he says he wants his mother to be able to view Miss Marcella's resting place. The High Sparrow says, not until Cersei's trial. The High Sparrow talks of Cersei's unworldly motherly love. Something <laughs> envious of Tobin. <laughs> they sit and chat about the gods and the good in people. And I don't know what the point of all this is. <laughs> this was like just achingly boring, although it shows how easily Tobin is manipulated. Yeah, yeah ba- basically this it. was the High Sparrow pulling one over on him and succeeding admirably. I mean, w- way to go, High Sparrow. You completely confused the hell out of that teenage boy. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just hope Barely he start, teenage boy. <laughs> I hope he doesn't start drinking the Faith Kool-Aid. Oh, he'll have a little mark on his forehead. <laughs> we'll come back next week with a cat, a little kid. something. <laughs> Like planting the seeds for Tolman's uh, conversion or whatever. Oh, well. oh so that is. But does Tolman know thing? that if he converts, he might not be able to have sex again? Because I feel like that's pretty important to him. <laughs> well, weren't there some sort of spoilers about Tolman being in a scene with guards and people having faith flags? Or am I just imagining things? I remember the big set scene with like the stairs and uh, but I'm not eh, I'm not sure what side Tolman was on. I think everyone was speculating Marjorie might have been on the opposite side with the high sparrow. Okay. I don't know. I'm having a hard time really being that interested in it too. So I'm going to move on. <laughs> so uh we have Arya scene and she's back in the house of the undying still getting the crap beaten out of her. She's asked about her family, her brothers, and Sansa, and the Hound. She reveals her list, Cersei, Gregor, and Walder Frey. Finally, in her battle montage, Arya successfully blocks the wave's blows. Uh, the initiation is over. She takes a bowl of suicide juice from Jack and Agar and drinks. Instead of dying, she gets her eyesight back. I was so happy they went to a training monta- montage. Like, oh my god, it's been too long. Like, <laughs> put on I Tiger, I don't care. Yes, move this shit along. It was great. Right. I actually thoroughly enjoyed the scene. Also, quote, yeah. note the additional mention of the Hound tonight. So, um, the Kagang yeah. Bull subreddit is like on cloud nine right now, as you can imagine. The building's <laughs> there. Yeah. No, I liked it too. Moved good. Moved well, yeah. I thought. So, can, can I say something real quick? I mean, am I the only one who can kind of see where the wave is coming from? Because she's clearly dedicated all her life to the faceless men, and here comes this new kid who thinks she can just waltz on in there and do everything they can do all easy-peasy and keep remnants of her old life. And he's the master's favorite I, I now. Could, I, yeah, I could <laughs> see that seriously grating on a person. <laughs> she's oh, yeah. jealous. <laughs> She gave her a dirty look at the end. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm kind of almost team waif in this. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I thought it would <laughs> would have been kind of funny if after she got her eyesight back and he asked her who she is, she said Arya Stark bitches and just ran <laughs> off. <laughs> moment. That would have been funny. Oh yeah. Alright, well, it's a good scene. I think we all agree on that. Let's move on to Ramsey. Oh, do we have to? Yep. 
<laughs> he's hosting Hi. a meeting with uh, Lord Karstark and Lord Umber. He's concerned about the well. Lord Umber is concerned about the wildlings let loose by Jon Snow. Ramsay wants Umber to pledge loyalty and kneel. Lord Umber is like fuck that. Instead, he yeah. brings a gift. It's Osha and Rickon uh-huh. and the head of Shaggy Dog to prove Rickon's. You know, there was, like, one relief in having Walda and her baby die last episode, and that was the solace in knowing that Ramsay had no one left to torture oh. in his vicinity. And that, then the shit happened. That was my first thought, was, like, <laughs> literally this might have just been more people. I don't know, did they need to show him torturing more people? I hope that's not the case. I hope they'll just yeah, get it done with. But... That is the case. You know that, right? <laughs> oh, like, oh, I'm not going to end Every, they, every like, stick the dogs on Rickon, that Rickon would just, like, warg into them all simultaneously. Like, <laughs> that would be awesome. awesome and have him kill Ramsey. We could only... <laughs> or just have him, like, you know, like, lay down and, like, roll over and shit. Like, <laughs> what lolling. are you going to do now? <laughs> yeah. And honestly, I, I, I'm going to be pretty harsh right now. Fuck Ramsey Sue and the murder dogs he rode in on. I am so sick of him and his indestructible plot armor. And how everything, with the minor exception of, you know, losing his wife and Theon, oopsie-daisy, seems to go magically his way. I Can't we watch something more interesting and enlightening, like maggots eating a dead possum along the side of the road? I'd rather watch that than Ramsay. <laughs> it's very redundant at this point. <laughs> I mean, I kind of would have liked to have had a scene of Ramsay dealing with, like, super boring lord shit. Because I think yeah. that actually would have been that kind of funny. <laughs> Thing. People coming and asking about their bunions. What do I do? Yeah. <laughs> you know, there is a theory right now. A lot of people are saying that um, that Umber guy, um, he's pretty much filling in as um, the Manderly since there is no Manderly. They're saying that he's this is all a fake out. Except that, they, and that, that, that Shaggy Dog's that head is not really Shaggy Dog. But you know what? And, I- there's but a, I don't know. Yeah, there's an interview that came out with the actor Art Parkinson. I think it was just yesterday, and he squashed that theory. He pretty much confirmed. He said that Shaggy Dog was dead in the script that he read. Mm-hmm. And he also, yeah, and also yeah. of note is Shaggy Dog toy. It's half off on the HBO website. <gasps> oh no! <laughs> Shaggy Dog is dead. <laughs> Those fuckers. I would have loved if it was a fake out, but I was disappointed to read that. But he was. I like, guess we just give D and D too much credit. Then, exactly. You know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I honestly, if I could do one thing, just in the show, I would write myself somehow appearing in front of Ramsey with my stepdad's twelve gauge shotgun, and I would shoot him in the face while yelling this. Is my boomstick! <laughs> I mean, to, be, to be fair, you need a reason for John, presumably, to turn his attention south. Because if you're John and you know that there's like these ice zombies bearing down on the wall, that kind of, you know, that kind of has to be priority number one. But if you've got, you know, Ramsey who can say, I've got your brother. Uh, or, yeah. or you know, I've got your sister, or whatever. That is kind of something that would draw him more yeah, urgently exactly. to the south. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. at least you know we know that Shaggy Dog and Rickon are hunting unicorns in Skagos right now Aww, in the yeah. books. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, think after, I think after we're done with this, I'm going to have to go read some nice Rickeen fanfic just to. Clear this out of my mind. Do, do you I mean, think- I think Rick is doomed in the books, though, just from the perspective of, you know, if Sansa's being groomed as a potential uh, queen in the North, yeah. you know, Rick and is, Rick and is somewhat redundant then. Well, he could always just abdicate. I mean, he, do- he, he doesn't seem like someone who would have the temperament to be Unless she's a, a lord a or a king right. yeah, to begin with. Him I mean, I don't want him, you know, I, I, don't want anything to happen to Rickon and especially Osha as yeah. well, but I just feel like they, things aren't looking good. <laughs> Let's yeah. just say that. I'm, I'm I'm not holding out hope for anything other than a fridging in both cases. Rickoning, if you will. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a reckoning is coming. <laughs> 
All right. Let's go to Castle Black. Um, everyone is gathered in the yard to watch the execution of John's murderers. Each man gives their last words with the exception of Ollie, who is perpetually scowling. John cuts the rope, all four hang, and uh, Dolores Ed tells John they should burn the bodies. John hands him his cloak and tells him, my watch has ended. Take yes. this job and shove it. Right? <laughs> I ain't working here no more. <laughs> I, I love, love that. The, I, I love that that loophole happened and presumably is going to happen in the books. Like, that's oh, awesome. I know. It was very satisfying. It was extremely Should have written that oath with a little, a little bit tighter. Some <laughs> <a> night watch. <laughs> and I, you know, I found oh, it very moving. Um, Sir Alistair, his final words when he said, I fought, I lost, now I rest, but you lords know you'll be fighting their battles forever. That was great. And it got me thinking, which I don't know, maybe everybody else has thought about this and I haven't, but does John age? Is he going to live forever? Does he just die, I mean, live until someone kills him? I mean, what what is the scenario? Does that is that literally what oh, that means? Oh God! Is forever yeah. going to be around like like, like Beric was. Just That's basically just depressing. Living, hearing, revi- being revi- re- revived. I can talk <laughs> forever. That's, that would suck. Yeah, it's like uh, death becomes her. <laughs> yeah, John's gonna look for all these ways he could die. He's gonna try to. <laughs> That was a great movie, by the way. I gotta watch that again. <laughs> I mean, I certainly hope he can die. That'd be horrible if he. Well, I mean, Barrack eventually died, so. But wasn't that yeah. after? Was that after At somebody least... killed him again, or was no? It he now? died, um, birthing Lady Stoneheart. Oh, okay, but I guess if John didn't do that, he could potentially. I'm, I'm just curious. Okay, no, yeah. don't make out with like John. About... <laughs> Will he age? Yeah, that's what I'm wondering. I don't know. I, I, uh, to, you know. There's yeah. no, and there's no real way to, this is all spec, right? Because well, I mean, why, I, I'm my just... assumption is what he would age. Like, he can be killed again, so why wouldn't he be able to I'm, age? Yeah, I'm just curious why they would make Sir Alistair say that. Say you'll be fighting their battles forever. Like, why? I don't know. Yeah. They'll just bring them back again, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Mel will always be around. Where that basically, since he started down this path of working with the wildlings, he's never going to be able to get off of that path, which is always going to put him in contention with certain other people up north. Yeah, I mean, maybe a more practical. Yeah. Except that no one's ever going. No one's going to ever marry. They're yeah, not, they never going to accept the wildlings. Sure, maybe. they will. If, if they do, it's going to be like 500 years from this no, point. No, it'll be like 50 years, a couple generations of um, years. It'll be done. Mm, I disagree. <laughs> <laughs> a couple nights in Tormund's bed, all the wild, all the, all the northern women. Yeah. Are <laughs> and the northern lords. <laughs> but does that? So does, another question. So this means Dolores Ed is Lord Commander, or no? Do you think they're going to vote again? Oh, give them the ball. They have to vote again. But I mean, I do think that Dolores Ed is like destined to be the 999th awesome. commander, and that. the wall is literally going to fall down on his watch because that's what happened. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, it's like I, I love it, but I hate it. <laughs> and of course, he's going to see it coming <laughs> because you know he's, he, as I said, he's genre savvy. He knows this shit. Are these guys gonna really stay at the wall? That was my thought. Oh, you, wow. you think that yeah. the blacks be like, just... "Hey, kill me and Mel, Mel, revive me so I can get <laughs> out of it." Right? Like, yeah. Dolores said, "Got to see what those whites and the White Walkers and the Night King looks like." I'm like, I think. They'd probably be like, you know, let's get the fuck out of here. Yeah, there's like ten of us left at this point. Yeah. Like, yeah, they don't seem to have a lot of backbone. You know, they're kind of <laughs> they're cold. Yeah. <laughs> they're gonna scatter. And they they've lost basically the alphas. There's oh, nobody yeah. really there. So That's true. I can't see them staying. They're all gonna take off. Although then, you know, we have the previews where we've got Sansa and Brienne rolling in, so maybe that'll be like turn oh, a few heads. Yeah, because the new are uh, they Lord Commander. At the wall? Is that what it was? Because I'm, I'm seriously, I don't think they're going back to Winterfell. No, it looked. Yeah. I mean, to me, it looked like the door to the wall opening up. I mean, that's just obviously a big assumption. Like the front is, gate. It was so white yeah, in the background. Probably not because I want them, you know, to be there, so they won't be. That's How so annoying would it be? They just. They just miss Jon Snow. Oh. Of course. Well, they totally will. They'll literally just miss him and they won't, like, talk. 
Oh, and, and if like, they do be... talk, what are the odds that like John will even comment on the fact that Oathkeeper is a Valerian steel sword, and that he in particular should be like really note make note of that? Oh no! Do you think <laughs> they're gonna? They're, the swords? Do you think they're gonna ignore it, or the swords will start I'll humming? Totally ignore it. <laughs> I, don't, totally I don't have any. I don't have any faith in oh. in their ability to. Remember the Oathkeeper is a Valyrian sword themselves at this point. (laughs) It's like continuity. Yeah, continuity. What's that? (laughs) Speaking of continuity, if if Rickon and Osha really were thoroughly betrayed, which I think they were, so much for the North remembers, huh? The North forgot. It's cold. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that'll be the new tag. The North forgot. Coming. They had to have a few drinks to get you. It's like you forget. (laughs) Okay, let's uh, let's do the mailbag. Okay, our first email was from Alice in Westeros, and she says, Hi, I just wanted to say I love Lot. She makes me smile when uh-huh. she talks mm-hmm. about Davis, makes him sound uh-huh. like a Westerosi businessman or an attorney or something. And then she en- ends it with, uh, you know, the symbols for kisses and hugs. Oh, okay, I just want to point Lot out too. I know. I want to point That's out, Guile. Like cute. one day was like, "Oh, did you see the really nice email you got, Lot?" And I, I like look it up, and I'm like, "It's just her making fun of the way I pronounce shit." <laughs> oh, That's cute. That's <laughs> a nice sweet. way. Love it. <laughs> I love you too, Alice. <laughs> and, um, dragon strike, strike. Stakers, 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 stakers. Table, table. <laughs> Next, we have an email from Kathy, and she writes, Love your wonderfully entertaining podcasts, as always. I wondered if, in episode two, the fact that Mel cuts bits of John's hair and burns them was a kind of aside to all the Kit Harrington hair watchers out there. I couldn't help thinking of that when I first saw it, although I suppose it would be a sort of natural magic-type thing to do. But I like to think it was D&D winking at those folks through the fourth wall. And thanks again for your great podcasts, which I look forward to every week with great anticipation. I especially appreciate the hard work y'all put into them to have one out every week like clockwork. Such dedication. Cheers. Goddamn right. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that email. The hair thing. I, I kind of like what we were speculating last up that it was just like she didn't know what she was doing. So let's just do a little bit of everything. A little bit of this, a little bit of that. <laughs> no, I do think it could be a, a total nod to everybody's because he even wrote that joke in there about his hair, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. And s- someone pointed out that he looks again like he did what was it, like the first season before he joined the Night's Watch. His nice similar yeah, haircut. Yeah, he kind of does. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> um, and our uh, okay, we have one more email uh, from Fox. Lord Varys speaking to guards whilst fanning himself. I don't know how you stand it in all that leather. And her captive woman, <laughs> properly dressed for tropical resort. Indeed, ladies, you have drawn attention to the fact that got costumers need to consider the weather. Thanks, and can't wait for your next podcast. Well, when are <laughs> anyone up north going to wear, like, a hat? <laughs> <laughs> yes! And Sansa, they don't have a hat. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> Most of the body heat's lost through the head, guys. Come on, Their get with the program. Did Catelyn tell them nothing? <laughs> she should have knit him some no. hats. No, she was too busy glaring at John. <laughs> <laughs> we have one uh, Podbean comment from Kevin, and he says, Of all the atrocities the writers, and he puts that in quotation marks, have committed... Mm-hmm. The character who's been the most ruined is Jamie Lannister. And I think based on our... Uh, <laughs> I agree with that, based on our discussion. Amen, brother! <laughs> same page, same page, yeah. right? Uh, and that was it? Nope. We actually have a couple messages that came in on our Tumblr as well. We have the message from Attention Deficit Aptitude, who says, Who is choreographing the fight scenes on this show? The Tower of Joy was embarrassing. I could not stop <laughs> laughing at the dude waving his swords around. What the hell was that? It reminded me of that scene in Indiana Jones, and I kept waiting for Ned to pull out a pistol and shoot the guy. <laughs> for, for what oh it's worth, attention deficit aptitude by Mr. Lot was in total agreement with you. He said it was over the top. So I didn't want to, like, you know, throw some water on the fires you guys were burning for Arthur Dane. So... <laughs> I didn't bring it up there, but I'll bring it up here. 
<laughs> I mean, sure, it was over the top, but I don't know. Rather, say, better over the top than under the under the river, like the Dorn shit. And he's supposedly right. the best swordsman in all of Westeros. If anyone would be able to dual wield like a mofo, you'd think it would be Arthur Dane. So we also got a message from Chicky, Chicken on Tumblr, who says, Hey guys, loved your last ep. I laughed so fucking hard about L plus H equals J. That's the kind of content you can only find on Close the Door and Come Here, dude. So the Tower of You're Joy... You're welcome. <laughs> so the Tower of Joy totally did it for me. I know there are nitpicks, but I love the kid playing Ned. I love the dialogue. And I love that I now want to fuck Arthur Dane as much as Book Jamie does. <laughs> <laughs> also, I love John, guys. I love him so much. I melted when he said his watch has ended. It's all I've ever wanted. Oh my god, no one understands. Jon Snow 5 ever. <laughs> Miss you, dork, so much. When will this stupid season end so we can be friends again? Cries. Oh. Kisses from Chicky. Smooch, smooch. And yeah, we all want to fuck Arthur Dane as much as Jamie. <laughs> yeah, right. Larry, on the other hand, no, is totally not think. interested in him. Larry can get the fuck out. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, I think that's it. Oh, I just yep. want to okay. thank you guys for having me on, by the way. Oh, I've, I've been thanks. listening to you guys for ages, and to actually get to participate has just been awesome. So <laughs> really oh, enlightening and horrible, though. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm so glad that you're able to join us. We always love having um, people. I mean, it's kind of been the nice thing we've done since the outset of this podcast is try to bring in, you know, I, I, don't, I feel weird saying listeners because, like, it feels weird because we're just this little podcast but listeners i guess so thank you for being here well any anytime y'all want to invite me back on i am more than game trust me i'll be there no with kid. bells That's and going. whistles and a gin and tonic That's oh, going awesome. in your you're a new chicky <laughs> <laughs> okay so as uh, as i just said we do love having our listeners on um, you can reach us at close the door and at gmail.com, close the door and come here.tumblr.com. Follow us on Twitter at door podcast. Please like and review us on iTunes and Google Music. Leave us reviews and subscribe, please, please. Um, support us on Patreon as well. Um, it helps pay for this shit. Don't forget to check us out on YouTube. Chicky has been doing some incredible, uh, videos for us that they're hilarious and kind of get her little editorials throughout so yeah. if you're missing chicky go to youtube yeah, <laughs> great and uh just one more time thank you again our guest star um like i said we'll put it on your file reoccurring <laughs> you said it you can't take it back i wouldn't even if i i wouldn't even if i could try trust me <laughs> this has been a ball <laughs> thank you Thank you, everybody, for podcasting. Yay! Yay! Keep it fresh and fussy. Get on. (laughs) (laughs) You guys all have your things. (laughs) All right. Closing the door. Get out. (laughs) Bye.